everybody. I'm really excited about this topic today because I have often wondered what it's like for a guide on the other side of the veil, and you might say in a little different density, to guide humanity. Can you imagine trying to get our attention? I always imagine guides sitting around on kind of virtual smoke breaks thinking, oh my God, are they ever going to ask for help? Anyway, to understand this phenomena better, yesterday I interviewed Sheila Gillette and the Theo group. So let's go to Sheila and Theo right now. Sheila, hi, hon. It's good to see you. Hi, Virginia. It's good to be with you again. This is going to be a fun conversation. I think it is too, because I, I was serious about that. I've often thought of comedy. Somebody could do a comedy um, script, some kind of skit about guides with nothing to do because no one's paying attention. <laughs> so well, you know what? I've I've often thought about doing a sitcom because there's been so many funny things over the years that um, have come up. And, and just to your point, you know, my, my vision of the Theo group is like a big boardroom where they're all sitting around this board table and a question comes in and one goes, I'll take that. That's in my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it because I, I have wondered what it is, what is it like trying to get through to humanity who is just, you know, overwhelmed with beliefs over for, that have been gathered throughout their own personal history with um, distraction, with I think just misdirection in our own thought all the time, trying to contend with whatever our wants, needs, desires, and preferences are at the moment, instead of actually listening to our own higher self and to the guides trying to help us listen to our higher self. So that's why I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. I think it'll be very interesting and fun. I think it will be too. So should we go right to the Theo group and then debrief with you afterward? Certainly can. Okay, let's go for it. All right, here we go. It is the beginning, is it not? It is. And Theo, I want to thank you so much for being with us today, because to me, this is such an important conversation. So I'd like to begin by, first of all, asking you, this is something many people have asked me, and I think it's appropriate to ask you, which is, is are there other species in other planetary systems that also require this kind of guidance that humans require, or is this something unique to humans? We, of course, would like to support the singularity of humans, but we cannot. There are guides, guidance in other dimensional experiences, teachers, mentors, if you would. So one is not just singular. Thank you for that. So we're not special or unique in that capacity, but we do seem to be cut off to a large extent or not dialing in or paying attention to our own higher self, our own higher voice, um, no less that of guides oftentimes. So can you explain that unique phenomena of humans that would tend to have a challenge dialing into these, these other frequency ranges? 
It's all available to you, as you know. However, there has been the density in the multi-dimensions, the third dimension being a very dense frequency in which then the intellect or the mind was the premier source of information that had been learned information by the environment that it's in. So as the dimensional frequencies refined and as there is this living fully in the fifth dimensional density, you might say, or frequencies, vibrations, then the energy or that density of thought has been refined and the veils between that can connectedness to source, guidance, mentors is thinner. And there's also the evolution of consciousness so that there's a realization that one is more than the physical existence. One is more than the, the mind or the brain capacity. And that there are these influences that are accessible to all, if allowed, and connected to. So the point you just said was if allowed. So can we talk about kind of what it looks like from a guide's point of view in terms of trying to get through to humans who really are not paying close, they're not paying attention. We're just on our automatic programs and we're just kind of fulfilling our own desires, our own schedules and, and tasks and so forth. And often not, not at all aware of what's surrounding us. What's it like from a guide's point of view? So they're waiting to be asked. And in the asking, the information is given. And oftentimes that's in crises, most often. When things in life become intolerable, beings begin to search for broader, deeper, greater still answers and begin to listen or to entertain the possibility that there could be connection that could assist them. And we, like you said, we tend to do this in crisis. And the beauty is that we could be doing this at any time, any day, and the guidance that would come in and, and assist us is, I mean, I find just truly amazing, incredible. I absolutely love my guides. They're so much more creative at finding solutions and, and timing and everything than I am. And I can't even imagine a world without guides yet. I don't tend to ask myself for help when needed. What is it in us that besides people that simply don't know they have guidance available, what is it in humans that make us hesitate to ask for help? It's like the precocious two-year-old that wants to do it themselves. But there's also the greater influence here is not feeling deserving of it or worthy. And so there's resistance for most 
individuals think if they open that door, they're going to find out they're as bad as they think they are. And ultimately, the opposite is true. For guides, mentors, teachers, as they are, are there to empower each and every one of you to recognize the divine magnificence that you are. Thank you for that. I think that uh, certainly rings true, I think, for most people listening to this. So then the, the question is, when a person, when, when guides can step in without asking, and when they really can't by way of kind of universal agreement, as you say, they're waiting for us to ask. Yet we hear about these incredible situations in which someone is in a car accident and suddenly everything slows down. They feel arms around them. They're somehow lifted away from the danger and land safely when they should have been smushed and dead. Can you talk about when it's okay for guides to step in and help without request? Oftentimes there's a request. When one knows they're going... They're in a dangerous situation, oftentimes is, oh, God, help me. Mm. Even those who proclaim to be atheists in this serious, life-threatening situation find source in some form. But there's also the guardians that are there that, by agreement, soul to your soul, are there to protect in those types of circumstance. But if it is for your soul's path to be engaged in that particular crash, accident, however you wish to speak of it, and their intercession would change your soul's direction, then there is a hands-off, if you would, necessity because it's for the soul's highest good and learning. There is that, which, for an example, if we were asked questions and situations from an individual, and then after speaking with us, and this has occurred, a tragic event happens in the, the person's life, not to them, but in their life surrounding them. And when asked why were they not told that this was going to happen, it happened to someone else, even though it touched them, we could not speak to that for there was no possibility of the event changing, for it was for that soul's path to experience. Even though they were in the peripheral or touched by it as well. Had we spoken to them of this particular event coming that could not be changed by them, the entirety of their life in those hours and moments before the event occurred would have been torturous. That makes total sense. So it's an act of grace to not inform someone. Um, 
you know, Sheila went through her own very, very challenging moment when she connected with you on a conscious level and decided to devote herself to opening to that. Do you mind sharing just a little bit from your side? She shared with us before what it was like from her side in those intense moments in the hospital after giving birth. Can you explain what it was like from your side in reaching through to Sheila and seeing her in that moment? So in those moments, there was an asking on her part to participate, to have work in the world, to assist in whatever way she could to stay embodied. And so we were called forth as the emissaries through her to teach. So it was an agreement by us and her soul to do this work together. So when we look at these situations, which seem almost miraculous in nature by way of the recoveries people make and the things that they survive with help from the soul, help from the guide, um, I'm curious as to when you're working in a situation like that where a life is at stake. In her case, she asked for help. In many cases, we'll say, God help me, or something like that. Sometimes we can't even think that clearly, but help seems to be given. What are you working with by way of using mind to connect with matter and heal the matter? Is it more the thought in the space of the being that simply uplifts and then brings back into life something cohesive? What are you actually doing from the other side? What happens is there's a request and asking, but there's also belief in the possibility of it occurring but also receptivity of the energetic exchange. I understand, I understand what you're saying, all of those components being necessary. And when that's all present, do you simply, do the guide simply put a, a feeling image outcome together and everything essentially coalesces around that into physical reality? What happens when you have the request, the permission, the receptivity, and it's a go? What, are, what do you then do? So physics could come and be quite involved in this, in the sense of the universal field, or what you would call quantum field or universal energies are all aligned in the physicality to balance it to its optimum health which is rejuvenative, which okay. is the healing you speak about. Yes? Yes. So it is in your, with your greater collective mind, then seeing the healed, whole, balanced outcome, and in, in feeling and viewing that, or creating that, that is the glue, so to speak, that brings the coherence back into balance and health again. It does. So it's a body, mind, spirit mm -hmm. experience. For it's a collaboration, you see, energetically. Yes. Um, 
with people that do remote healing and healing on earth, uh, it seems like it's, it's really identical to what you're doing. Um, that's why I just wanted to explain from more of a, like you say, a quantum point of view, what the mechanics are of putting someone back together, who's essentially in um, a state, very vulnerable physical state in terms of their survival. So yes, for yeah. energy is consistent. It exists all around you. So it is using that energy. It's just like electricity exists all around you. It's not just your light bulb on. It is the energy that is in your body, around your body, in the environment. The universal energies are similar. And their frequencies and, and vibrations. And as you know, many tools of healing, such as ultrasound and frequencies and vibrations and lasers have been developed over time as healing tools for the physical human body. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So it's no different than that. It's just focused energy to rejuvenate the cells in the being. Yes. And this is something that we too are capable of if we have clear and clean intention and permission and receptivity. Humans can do that with one another too. And oftentimes it's relegated by people that do not understand the quantum world to miracles. But these aren't miracles in your world. This is just balancing in your world, as I understand it. Is that correct? That is correct. We don't speak of illness. We speak of balance. So, so yes, the healer, the, the person that's using their physicality as a conduit, as, as the tool to direct that vibrational frequency or energy, is not truly the healer. They are the conduit or the tool, you might say, for the person to heal themselves. Thank you for that, because it helps us understand that we, too, have these capabilities that we often don't look at or don't don't really choose to either acknowledge or to practice because we don't have faith. We don't have belief in ourselves. So, again, thank you for explaining it from more of a quantum and energy level for us. I hope you're enjoying this video, because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. What I'd like to do is switch focus a bit to you, because guides have their own kind of collective beliefs of, in terms of what they're doing and how they're assisting various species. Can you talk about some of these common beliefs among the realm of guides, whether they be angels or interdimensionals or ETs or whatnot? Is there a common understanding or belief among the guides? There's a common denominator, if you would, of all to bring the human experience into its highest conscious state. And that's the time you're living in. 
That's why we are here, to be mentors and teachers, to show a new way of thinking and being human on your planet. But what about among you and your own personal evolution? Because I, I think back to a time when I was talking with my guides and they said, this doesn't ever end. There's no end to learning. There's no end to evolution. And so we always set guides and angels apart thinking, oh, they're already there. They're just here to help us. But what do you do for your own evolution? That's why we use the word collaboration. For we have not been embodied in your world, but we're keen observers. And we learn from you as you learn from us. We learn the human experience through you. We see your world through your eyes. So it's not one is greater than the other. Each is playing a particular role in this consciousness shift that is now. Have you, have you, your group, ever thought to potentially incarnate into physical form at some time to dive, dive in completely with both feet and see what it feels like in this denser reality? So we do have somewhat of an experience working through this body, whom you call Chela. So we do have a bit of the experience when we enter this body and with these frequencies that we align, have been aligning with for many years now and blending with. So there's some experience of that, but we are not choosing an incarnation or embodiment. We are out of time. We're not relegated, if you would, to your linear experience. That makes sense. Um, you have other other things to do, and we certainly have to have the balance of what you're doing. I've, I've read in some documents as time has gone on that oftentimes the angels do look at humanity and those who incarnate into these denser realms with a kind of um, respect because it is so challenging uh, compared to staying in non-physical realms. Can you talk a little bit about this? Is this just glamorizing the human experience? It should be glamorous. If you think about the, the billions of souls that would appreciate having the experience, it's like winning the lottery to have a body. And there are many that think it's... <clears throat> A punishment. But once one has had the experience and has shifted from the human physicality into the multidimensionality again, there's a realization of how important the journey was and is. That's why you keep returning to it because it's an exquisite opportunity. 
please explain what you mean by exquisite for the people. And there are many, many people watching this right now that are saying to themselves, I'm never going to incarnate again. I'm never going to put myself through this again. And I always say, why not? <laughs> what else are we going to do? How else are we going to learn these things and experience this beauty? I would love to know what you mean by the exquisite nature of being human. So we hear these thoughts and comments as well. And we wish you only to know that life is not happening to you. Life is happening through you and for you. You've chosen to be present for the opportunity of learning emotions, for having a body, to have all the senses that you have, all your intuitive gifts to be experienced. Many avoid the uncomfortable emotions, but it's like, would you, you avoid a rainbow because you don't like the color blue? It's exquisite, this myriad of emotions, this mm -hmm, expression that you have, a body to touch and be touched, to be sentient, to have this sense of smell to the beauty of your world, the flowers, to hear the birds. It's an exquisite planet. And to experience in a physical body all of those sensations is exquisite as well. And so now in this shift and expansion of consciousness, there's a greater realization as you're moving into a higher conscious state now of that fuller realization of the gift that life is. We've talked before about the exquisite nature just of the earth itself to have the pleasure of incarnating here into onto a planet with such beauty, such diversity, temperance, um, such an inviting place compared to many other places that people incarnate, beings incarnate. Can you talk a little bit about that, what we actually have here by way of a resource for those of us taking it for granted? Open your eyes, open your sensory perceptivity all of it, your physical body, your smell, your hearing, your sight. All you have to do is open. And it's, it's like a beautiful buffet of all the things we speak about, the deliciousness of what you eat, what you ingest. All of these things are expressions and experiences of great beauty. And you said a little bit ago, and I've heard this many times, that there are many, many, many more beings than can have bodies at this time waiting for the experience on earth. Um, do you care to expand on that a little bit more? Is it always those who have already incarnated here? Or is it also beings from other realms or dimensions or places that want to have a crack at earth life? There are those who've been before and want to 
experience again. But there are others, as you spoke, from other dimensions, other universes, others that you call alien. We like to shock some when we they ask about aliens or UFOs and if they exist, of course, could be your neighbor. The earth is but one choice. There are billions of choices of experiences to be had. And so, of course, there are billions of souls because energy is constant. Souls are energy. It is only form that changes. And so when there are those waiting, know that it's not demanded of you to incarnate. Mm-hmm. Nobody saying you must do that. Or we hear that word karma, you have to go and pay back something. There's nothing to be paid back. Karma is only opportunities of growth and expansion of awareness. And it's chosen these experiences for its unique and it's, again, we will use the word magnificent. So, Theo, then from what I'm understanding you say, each incarnation in itself is a great opportunity for experience, growth, expansion, um, to expand our awareness, expand our intuition, our senses, and all of that. And each incarnation is a complete experience and in and of itself without leaving behind these residual things that we call obligation or karma or repaying of debt, the way we, we tend to interpret it as humans out of our guilt. That's true. And it's out of a mindset of patternings that have been generationally passed along, societally passed along, and and culturally passed along for thousands of years. And the time you're living in now is the time that all of that's changing. That new expression of awareness of the fully integrated soul without all of those preconceived beliefs about not being worthy, rewriting that script allows a broader perception and experience of human experience. And as human beings realize this, because it doesn't matter the color of skin, the language you speak, the place on the planet that you live, you're all the same. And when you realize not to judge each other, because the judgment is only a reflection of how you feel about you, As you love the self fully, you will be able to love others as yourself. And that's been a teaching that's been around for thousands of years as well. But this is a time of that 
full awareness on the inner that then is reflected externally. And if all integrate that into their knowledge, into their being, you'll have peace on your planet. Indeed. Thank you for that. I would also like to ask about one other great sublime being that uh, cultures historically really uh, perhaps honored above all others, and that is the nature of our own sun, um, the center of our solar system. Can you tell us the nature of what and who the sun is and how we can also enjoy in a conscious relationship with our sun? So the sun gives life to this planet, does it not? Mm. Growth and expansion to all on the planet. It also has the ability to destruct it. When there is this coexistence with your universe, there's a realization that it's all energy and frequency and vibration of which are all aligned. And then there is respect. Respect for all of the planets, the sun particularly, because it's the center of your universe, which gives it great strength but it's also a respect of the planet on which you live. And there is a recognition of that that is occurring, that is a blessing. And understand this, your planet, your Earth, will be here longer than the people on it today. Yes. And what you realized most recently with this virus that affected all animals on this planet, and humans are animals, that if all stopped what they were doing destructively to the planet, the planet would be all right. You saw the planet when everything was paused, cleanse itself. The air cleansed. The waters began to cleanse. Nature itself was enlivened again. So this is but information that you all should realize to make the changes necessary to coexist on this planet. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I think that was the greatest gift of COVID was that pause that allowed nature to show how quickly she can regenerate and how, I mean, what an amazingly creative being the earth is in her own regeneration. I loved that. I loved every single thing about the waters clearing, fish coming back, the air clearing, um, animals that normally hide from us roaming the streets, even in suburban areas. It was truly to me, it was magical. And you're right. We've mostly forgotten about it already, just because we're starting to emerge from this thing. And so... Yes, and, and those thoughts and beliefs of the past, the old paradigms of the past, that you are victims, 
has returned again. You are not victims. You've volunteered to be here now. So what can you use in its highest good in your capability to make it the best experience it can be? Indeed. Among the guides, there are so many things such as this that have been passed through um, to help us remember, um, to learn if we haven't learned yet or to remember if we once knew and forgot. What are some of the misunderstandings that people have taken away collectively over the ages from the ones considered the great master teachers? Have there been some major misunderstandings that would you would like to go on the record as trying to um, help us understand in a better way right now? So the teachers were fine. It was the misrepresentation of their teachings mm-hmm. by human minds and those who tried to control the minds of others for their benefit. And so what's important to understand that one is not greater than another. And the greater misinformation that has come through is that there is evil outside you. It's all an inside-out creation through beliefs. So the greater misunderstanding is that you don't have power. You're the most powerful souls, particularly on this planet, and you're larger than your physical structure. And life, again, is happening through you, not to you. Though it appears as it happening to you, and it's only by how you believe that you believe that you're a victim of your circumstance. You are a creator of your circumstance. So... Would you? What would you share with us um, in this way? There have been teachings throughout times. Um, some of the people incarnated now have been teachers, uh, on and have even been guides once upon a time, and are embodied now. Uh, some people remember again. Some people have forgotten. What would you say are the three most important teachings and learnings for humanity still at this phase of our development? that you're much greater than you think you are, that you are divine master beings and you've forgotten, and that you are worthy of the life you wish to live, that you can create this and have the power to do so. And finally, Theo, how can people best connect with their own, either their own internal guidance from their higher self or to their guides beyond? Are there certain kind of, if you want to, simple steps that one might begin with if they feel they have not been consciously connecting with guidance? It has to do with belief. 
So all of you are available to the guidance that is present about you. And all of you deserve that connectivity. It's only in beliefs that you cannot or that you're not worthy of that connection. And so it's not the one that seeks that has the lack of worth, but it's a part of yourself that has held a belief that you are not, that can be changed. And now that is done, is recognizing that circumstances, events in your life that adopted beliefs of you not being good enough or worthy happened. Those events don't change, but the beliefs about the event can change. You can look for the blessings and gifts that you learned from those events. No, they are just the curriculum of life. They don't define you. It's just opportunities of growth and expansion. This is where it seems to me gratitude comes in, a conscious practice of gratitude to be able to look there. I've never had a day, no matter how painful, that there wasn't something beautiful happening simultaneously, um, even if it's small. And so it seems practice of gratitude might be really important in this. Absolutely. When you are having gratitude, you're open and receptive. No the universe works this way as well. Either it's expanding or contracted. So to be a person of expansion and circulation, it is gratitude and love. The opposite of that is fear, isn't it? And fear and faith ask the same of you, to believe in something that's unseen. So we encourage you to have faith. And to your point as well, look for the gifts and the blessings in each thing, for there always are those and have gratitude for them. Yes, thank you. And one thing I would like to just say from a personal, um, a personal note here, I was talking with my guides one time and they were, they were kind of teasing me a little bit and telling me how easy I was to guide. And the reason is because I'm very, um, shall we say, spontaneous, can just change my mind in a second and see something in my head and decide to turn left instead of right. And I don't know why, but it always ends up taking me somewhere that I needed to go or that was interesting. So does it help if we just remain open and maybe a little bit spontaneous, um, as they said? Not just a little bit, a lot of it. <laughs> or the guidance is there. Yeah. It's your intellectual mind that talks you out of it. So remain open in spontaneity and childlike mm -hmm. curiosity. 
Thank you for that. I think that's important because we go so we're so buttoned down, trying to meet our schedule, trying to do all our tasks. That's what I was laughing at the beginning. How is there any space for a guide to get through if we're living our, our days and our hours of our days like that? There's not a lot of space. That's why the pause was so important. Yes. To have a realization that you can live life without doing. You can be. Yes. Any fine, thank you so much. There's so much to think about and what you've already shared with us. Any final thoughts before we say goodbye and then talk to Sheila for a moment? We are appreciative of the opportunity to serve you. And in the asking, it is given. Indeed. And there is the broader still information to come. There is only a limitation by your curiosity and your desire to know. We are complete, yes? Yes. God's love unto you. Thank you. Good day. Thank you. Good day. Hi, Regina. Hi, Sheila. Hey, thank you. Thank you for giving yourself over to your guides so they can help guide all the rest of us. Um, I thought it was a wonderful conversation with them, and I don't know how much of it you recall, but um, the notion that we have so much, we're bathed in a field of assistance and help if we simply ask and simply understand that we're, we're worthy of this and that we've agreed to this. And uh, they did make a couple points that were oftentimes too proud to ask, kind of like stubborn little two-year-olds. Tell, give us a, just a couple thoughts that you might have on this from your observation. Well, it's true. You know, there's, um, I too even forget to ask. And I've been doing this a lot of years. And I'll just stop and go, I have this wonderful resource. What am I doing? You know, you do. bubbling around. But we do, we get so involved in our intellect and that part of, I've got to figure this out. And when we could just sit and be quiet and ask, they're just waiting for us to ask and to guide us. But they're not going to usurp our free will. Right. Um, and so I just, it, it's important for all of us to know that we have a tremendous resource. All we have to do is ask. Okay, here, here. I, I think we've kind of covered it as best we can. I'll probably go to sleep tonight and think, God, I wish I'd asked this. But for now, I hope I've asked enough questions that people get a better idea of not only what's available to them, but how incredibly precious this life on earth is. It makes um, me yeah. sad to hear people say, I want to be done with it. Can't stand earth. It's horrible. Everything's going to hell in a handbasket. Okay. It's a little challenging for sure. It's challenging. It really saddens me when I hear that. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting to me if we would look back and, you know, and the magazines such as time and newsweek and all those political magazines and that try to inform us of what's happening in our world. If we would look back over several decades, like for a, a, 
a year-long headlines or front pages of those, they probably all look very much the same this year as they did in 1970. You know, the alarmist kind of get people stirred up thing. Uh, and what I think about is how is that affecting my life? And how can I be better for that and not get so engaged and enraged in stuff that's coming at me? You know, that's just to keep me stirred up. How can I transmute that? So I think if we can all um, transcend and transmute information into a critical question, is that true? Um, it, you know, we'll get that inner answer yeah. for our own lives. I agree. That's uh, Thank you for that wisdom. Uh, I think another thing to remind ourselves of is it wasn't that long ago, just a couple hundred, a few hundred short years ago, we used to go to hangings for entertainment. We'd watch someone hang some stranger we don't even know with glee for our Saturday morning entertainment. We have come a long way. <laughs> When we think we haven't evolved, I would argue we've evolved a great deal. So, well, you know, if you think about it too, Regina, <laughs> we've only had the internet a few years. Not even 100 years, 50 years, maybe, We, we yeah. if that. Well, and for our use, yeah, very short time. Yeah, very, very short time. And even cell phones and all of, you know, the latest, greatest new computer. But how angry we get, we just get it and it doesn't work right. And then we're incensed and feel put upon. And, you know, we didn't even have it 10 years ago, or we didn't have it 20 years ago. But now, you know, it's, we're just, our, our memories are very short. And our ability to have gratitude for everything we have. And you're right. How much anger are we spending on inanimate objects now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as it's not serving us in a convenient way quickly enough. And I'm guilty of it, too. I think we all are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Siri got mad at me because I got mad at her one day <laughs> and wouldn't talk to me. And. And so I get it. I get it. We get frustrated. But, you know, if you stop and think about it, it's, oh, my gosh, look how far we've come. We have. We have. So yeah. on that note, we need to just be grateful for this incredibly beautiful earth, for the incredible sun that keeps us alive, for our friendships, for ourselves, for the nature and grandness of literally the largeness of our own being, even if we don't understand it just yet. And I thank you so much, Sheila. Uh, I love you to pieces. Thank you for making yourself available to channel the Theo group today. And I know I'll be seeing you soon at Gaia as well. So I'll get to give yes. you. Yes. I love you too. See you soon, my friend. Okay. Thank you. Bye for now.